Hello all and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamari, and today I'm joined by your co-host and neural nutritionist, Samantha Spears. Hi everyone. So Sam, I hear that you have something you've been sweating over lately and you would like to share it with us. Yes, I do, actually. And so what I've been sweating over lately is, I'm, I'm going to tagline it, the economy and the health. So I'm going to ask you a question. You ready? Yes. Why is the economy so important to public? help because when you have money you can eat food and food keeps you from not dying (laughs) yes that's actually a really good answer (laughs) oh man i'm crushing this game i'm so proud of myself Yeah, so basically, um, the economy rules over, you know, the amount of resources you have available. So when you have money, naturally it flows, then you have more access to food, you have more access to shelter, access to water, to healthcare, all of those things combined. And there's actually, so I I have a major in public health, (laughs) so I know a lot about this, so I'll give a quick spiel. But there's your socioeconomic status, which is basically your, like, income and your education, Mm -hmm. those things, that determines a lot on your health status and kind of your risks associated with them. So having more money means I can get better access to medicine, better access to good food, better access to a lifestyle that keeps me from basically dying. Yes, exactly. And then so the opposite of that occurs. So in a low socioeconomic status, your risk of certain diseases are a lot higher. And yeah, and it's a lot of times because you have limited access to health care, limited access to healthy food, other stuff like that. There's also a component of stress occurring. Yeah, (laughs) actually, that makes a lot of sense. So, well, let me say it and you can correct me. All right. So like, because I don't have a lot of money, I get stressed out because I'm worried about like, how am I going to pay my bills, this and that. And then I'm guessing that stress links to my ability to maintain my personal health. Yeah, actually, that's a good summary. It's like, imagine, you know, having chronic stress does Mm -hmm. a lot on your body, just like that's a physical burden. So having to Having those thoughts and those worries constantly is, it's just, it's bad for your health. <laughs> Isn't this, does this go back to the thing where mental trauma is perceived by the brain the same way as physical trauma? So the more you stress yourself over like things that have to do with social or economic issues, the more your body actually interprets it the same way it would feel if you were being like punched or wounded in some way. Yeah, I'm sure there's definitely a link in that sort of way. And so all of these different factors is why the economy in general is so important to public health and important to your health. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because probably about a month ago, I heard an interesting story on NPR. As we all do. Yes. And so it made me think of this. And this is all having to do with Venezuela. So can you oh, have any man. guess why Venezuela would be something to talk about in economy and health? Things I know about Venezuela. Nicolas Maduro doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> um, they have hyperinflation the likes of which few countries have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Their main export is oil, but they're finding out that that's not an edible resource. And <laughs> I think that also encompasses their food scarcity issue, which is oil is not an edible resource. Yep. All right. <laughs> Nailed it. Mm, I'm going back and telling my high school, actually my Spanish teacher who made me do that exam. <laughs> I had to give a presentation on Venezuela and she was like, you didn't do a good job. I was like, I thought I did a pretty good job. And now it's on a podcast. So take that. 
Yeah, so Venezuela's economy, not doing so great right now. <laughs> and because of that hyperinflation, it's having shortages in food, medical supplies, and other basic resources. And a consequence of this is that there's now been a rise in a lot of infectious diseases. This is including measles, diphtheria, HIV, Zika, chikungunya, and what I'm going to talk about today, malaria. Okay, first up, chikungunya sounds like the worst Thai food. <laughs> I included that one specifically because i love saying the name of it it is it's of it's uh transmitted by mosquito bites and it's like one of the most fun ones in terms of name not in terms of diseases just in terms of name it just sounds like you served me raw chicken on a skewer <laughs> yeah and that's like it's like the disease that describes the way you got the disease was it a dengue that's another fun one also another one on the rise <laughs> Ooh, these are not great <laughs> just so. all the like vector-borne diseases right now or wait what's a vector-borne disease oh that's when the disease is transmitted to you via like a host or via an animal so mosquitoes that's the most common yeah not by adobe illustrator yeah that's a that's a very niche joke wow. for the that's a very niche joke for the graphic artists out there you're welcome we keep it real for everyone here on this show so, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you were saying that malaria in particular is on the rise? Yes, malaria is on the rise right now. And this, so this was one of the main points of this NPR story. And what I didn't actually realize is that what's shocking about malaria being on the rise is that back in 1961, Venezuela official, officially eradicated malaria from the country. And they, yeah, no. And I, see I guess the, malaria didn't get the memo. <laughs> I see the look of skepticism, but back then, they they concentrate a lot of efforts on you know controlling the mosquito population and doing all these different programs to help reduce mosquito bites and I think other abatement issues uh, ab abatement methods and actually their methods were so effective that a lot of African countries were like copying their methods to use on to try and combat their malaria epidemics. This actually I find this to be an interesting trend, particularly in Latin America, because it seems like there are a lot of countries in Latin America that they find out that they're resource rich and the first thing they start doing is figuring out how to make their healthcare infrastructure and just citizens overall way of life better which i really admire but i, th I think the most ex common example is cuba has a fairly strong mm -hmm. healthcare system um even though they've been intentionally isolated from the united states by many trade embargoes and other legal actions taken against them in venezuela there was that time where hugo chavez he, when he is nationalizing oil they became extremely rich but unfortunately unlike a lot of other countries they didn't diversify into other resources so as the world economy for oil went down their ability to stay i guess liquid in the economy kind of went away with it so any gains that they had in say medicine are now lacking because they can't afford it anymore yeah and i think there's just been a lot of poor financial choices yeah, like, current with their current administration <laughs> so like there's a whole bunch of issues happening there i want to tease an episode that i've been wanting to do about literally the weight of money and how that has being just a, a wild thing to think about in Venezuela. And maybe we'll get there another day, but for right now we're focused. Yes, malaria. So as I said, Venezuela in the 60s basically eradicated eradicated malaria <laughs> from the country. But now lately, malaria cases have skyrocketed. In one report, there was an estimated 29,000 cases in 2010, and that got up to 411,000 cases in 2017. That is a lot of malaria 
here for a country that's not supposed to have it, especially considering how small Venezuela's population is. Yeah, it's a lot of malaria. And now I'm going to ask you, why do you think the malaria cases have increased? More standing water for mosquitoes. No. <laughs> I tried my best, <laughs> listeners, and I failed. All right. Guess what? It has to do with the economy. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. The reason we're here. <laughs> but... Not probably in the most obvious way, the economy. So turns out the mosquitoes that are really effective malaria, they are concentrated in a southern region of Venezuela, a region that's kind of close to its border. And it's a region that has a lot of mining activity in there. And there's a lot of mining, there's a lot of mines and mining activity in an area of kind of economic chances, I guess you'd say opportunities, economic opportunities. So the malaria was hiding underground for its moment to strike? <laughs> I guess you could say that. <laughs> so what happened is that as the economy got worse, people were desperate to find work and desperate to find income. So you had a lot of people going into the southern region, going into the mines and trying to work in the mines and oh, find work there. Oh, no. I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So you had a bunch of people in an area where you had malaria, you had a high chance of mosquitoes being infected with malaria. And then once they got done with the work there, they then went back to their own area oh, and no. then it got spread. Yeah. So that particular reason is why malaria is on the rise. Oof. So what can they do about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, they could do some of the other tactics to reduce the mosquito population that other people have been like doing. So that's like, you know, different ways to kill mosquitoes or there's ways where you can introduce mosquitoes into the population that are sterile and then try and make the other ones sterile and kind of reduce the population that yeah. way. I've heard of these. So I know that um, some countries, in order to deal with mosquitoes, they straight up just spray the entire country, like as much of it as they can, any mosquito hotspots to kill the mosquitoes finding out about genetically modified mosquitoes that i guess are in a lab and they're or they have different tools i think this is like one of the big cases people have been using CRISPR for is like yeah they want to make genetically modified organisms that go into the population and mate but the offspring are basically stillborn i don't really know the exact mechanics of either like it prevents the actual mating from proceeding or somehow it affects the children so that none of the children can mate or something and it drastically reduces the population i think i've heard I think I've heard described to me before, at least for mosquitoes, is that you would introduce mosquitoes so that all their offspring would be sterile. So basically those offspring couldn't have more offspring and then mm. the mosquito population kind of die out. But I think there may also be some research into trying to trying to have genetically altered animals or insects that are introduced so that the offspring would then be resistant to transmitting the disease. I think that's some I think that's something being worked on yeah i know they're doing something similar with mice and lyme disease so that the different rodents that transfer i guess deer no it was mice there's definitely mice there's something about the um the, the mechanism by which ticks find ho suitable hosts to transport them these mice are basically created without this so that ticks do not latch onto them and they also when they reproduce the their offspring are also not no them they're the ticks are averse to them so that this helps limit the rate at which lyme disease 
spreads because the ticks aren't finding as many suitable hosts. And so I guess what you're saying is a similar idea is going on with these mosquitoes down in South America. Yeah, or I mean, mos- mosquito issues are worldwide. Like <laughs> it's the mosquito diseases that are transmitted by mosquitoes. There's a bunch of them. I mean, it's a huge issue in Africa. It's a you yeah. know pretty big anywhere that's a warm tropical area. That's kind of like a breeding like, ground. I think like everything you'd mentioned except for HIV is mosquito. Well, I guess measles. Well, measles and diphtheria. I don't know anything about diphtheria other than it sounds like a bad candy. It sounds <laughs> like, um, oh, what's that thing that they, it's like the dipsticks. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It sounds like the dipsticks, <laughs> but they intentionally put anthrax or something into the powder. <laughs> yeah. So what's actually we can go, what's interesting about those like measles, diphtheria and HIV, um, what's happening with measles, they're having a larger outbreak is because they, the lack of medical supplies, they've stopped vaccinating people, um, I think in 2016. I want to say and that was like they just ran out of vaccines I legitimately (laughs) wanted to ask if it had to do with vaccines but I wasn't sure like in a country that has that much stuff going on like it could be any number of things but yeah vaccines seem to be one of like it seems like a lot of countries as soon as they have the money they're like yeah get us those vaccines please right now like as soon as any country figured out like oh we have Ebola vaccines we have different cures for Ebola that we can actually use yes we would like that so that you guys across (laughs) the entire planet do not have to worry about this we'll deal with it and i find that hilarious that i don't find it hilarious i find it depressing that all these countries that have this many resources don't want to cooperate with these countries that desperately need them knowing full well that that basic level of cooperation is going to pay dividends in terms of preventing a global society from spreading a disease oh and this is a fun segue so in researching this i research more about what's happening in venezuela and kind of the health crisis that's really going on Mm -hmm. and so a big thing that's happening is now these issues these health issues are actually spreading to the neighboring countries and that's because there's a lot of people fleeing Venezuela like they're literally going to the borders because they have these medical conditions and there aren't medical supplies like there's stories of people I think some people some person go in the border because they needed a catheter catheter and like they've been using the same one forever (laughs) or like they needed this kind of medicine and so that was the eventual push to go into the next country is because they needed these supplies and because of that now the neighboring countries and actually kind of all a lot of South America is now having experiencing these health issues because it's just being spread. So this is um, this also may feed into this. This is a trend that a lot of people in the states that have family in like Peru, Venezuela, wherever Mm -hmm. they will actually like a lot of things are just so expensive to purchase there because of the amount of effort it takes to ship them there or anything. So what they do is actually while they're here, like either they live here or they happen to be here for work or whatever, they buy all the necessities they wouldn't normally be able to get, including iPods, iPhones, laptops, like the the special hardware and just anything that would be helpful to having a normal life in Venezuela the way we might think of a normal life in the States. And as a result, you have this mass population that is frequently moving back and forth from different parts of South America. And I could very easily see that if this problem isn't solved in Venezuela, any number of those people coming to the United States could start bringing malaria to the United States. Now, as I understand, we have vaccinations and all sorts of stuff for that, but malaria uh, specifically? Not for malaria, no. Like, I know the MMR. I know, is tetanus part of the MMR? No, but um, the <laughs> diphtheria, that's in the tetanus shot. It's the Tdap one. Ah, so, so that's why I don't have diphtheria. <laughs> I just have the normal sugar dipsticks. 
And I like him. Yes, so that's a vaccine and measles has vaccine. HIV, there is no vaccine, but there is a lot of medicine out there. So now if you're regularly on different medicines, your the effects from HIV and the risk of transmitting to other people is greatly reduced. So this is, and I still appreciate that like this is a global problem. Like obviously Venezuela is not the only country dealing with malaria. There are lots of countries all over South America and Africa that they also have this global population movement. Well, I mean, that was the, I mean, when Ebola happened, that was the huge fear <laughs> was, I mean, Ebola occurred and everyone's fear was it's being going to be spread everywhere. And Ebola was scary because we really don't have much to do to help with it. We do now. There's been some advances as of late, but still it's it's kind of scary and so that's with a lot of a lot of times when you have some kind of epidemic or happen Mm -hmm. is that now we're in an age where i mean just with planes alone now people are traveling great distances easily so it is very easily for something to be localized in one country and then just spread throughout the world yeah and then uh, to your point about the ebola thing there's so the world health organization they actually actively try to be basically the CDC of the world in terms of identifying if a disease is happening somewhere like Ebola Mm -hmm. and then helping bring resources there to say like if we can stop this now while it's limited to a town a village a community of and there are only cases in the hundreds and we can keep it isolated and we can track who's doing what then we can make sure that it does not spread to the world as a whole because we'll have kept it isolated to where we found it and I'm wondering if the World Health Organization organization I, I wouldn't expect you to know this but i'm wondering <laughs> if the world health organization might be kind of in a similar path like i realize venezuela brings up a lot of political issues because of the way that their country likes to stay you know venezuela strong venezuela first but at the same time like if, if a global organization is willing to offer you aid to solve a very critical problem to your country's people well and you say that and i think there are different organizations or things that are providing aid at least to neighboring countries but oh an interesting challenge of Venezuela is again that attitude of trying to stay strong and trying to have this powerful image is there there is a limited information coming out of Venezuela like we know some of these things because there are reporters there and there are people in the borders and there are people that have been able to like basically sneak into the country and sneak out and like get information but I mean the reason why I can't give you a great figure on the number of malaria cases is because uh, I think it was in since 2016 they've just stopped releasing data oh my goodness like <laughs> the country has stopped releasing data because they don't want people to know how bad it is that's yeah, kind of that's, the point you would want that like you would really want people to know how bad it is because that's the easiest way to show other countries that you need aid and i i i get that countries want to be strong and independent but like aren't we at a point where it's a global society like countries aren't above helping other countries and other certain countries <laughs> that will help other countries specifically for certain gains but we've seen lots of cool well, unfortunately mostly collaboration i'm thinking of actually happens to be cross European countries are in the Shenzhen zone so I guess they're already considered their own big country that's actually many little countries except for Britain soon by the time this episode comes out Britain may no longer oh, be part yeah. of the EU Ooh. 
that's... for reference, we're recording this in March. That's I have a big backlog. Be... That's going to be interesting. <laughs> but that's the big point is that you want this economic cooperation and Venezuela, it just sounds like it's doing everything wrong. And I find that very upsetting. And I'll be happy to share with you uh, the weird economics going on there. Um, or at least the anecdote I have about their economic situation uh, during another episode. But for now, uh, is there anything else you want to tell us about the situation? It's it's kind of dire. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not this, great. I'm sorry. This became a downer of an episode. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm sweating. So we <laughs> we have hit all the objectives of our show. It is a thing you thought was small. It's actually pretty big. And I'm sweating over it. The main thing, I would like to end this. The main thing what I found interesting about this story and specifically why I talked about malaria so much is because when I first heard malaria cases were on the rise, my thought was like, oh, it's because they're low on resources or oh, maybe the weather's air is warming or like, oh, like I, I didn't, I didn't think that I just find it such an interesting case that no, it's because malaria infected mosquitoes are concentrated in one region. And because of the economic struggles, more people are coming into that region. Like I find that part very fascinating. Oh my goodness. That I, see, that's the beauty of like, actually, I really appreciate that you brought this story because this is like exactly the kind of stuff I think about all the time, which is this little detail, the fact that you happen to have this one part of the country that is, well, just not ideal because of the malaria rich mosquitoes suddenly becomes his linchpin because we can't solve a basic economics problem having to do with hyperinflation within the country, making work borderline inconsequential. Like, um, mm-hmm. actually, uh, I'll point out there was one episode of, I believe it was Planet Money called The Price of a Big Mac, where they measured mm-hmm. the nutrition, the amount of food you could purchase based on how many Big Macs you could buy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the average American based on like an hour of work or a day of work can buy, um, I can do this math. I can do this math. 20? A lot. Sorry. The the reason they use Big Macs is because Big Macs are oh, a weird- a day. I did an hour. <laughs> no. A Big Mac is a weird food facsimile for the amount of fat and protein and carbs and things you would want in a diet. So what they're actually measuring is calories you could purchase, but they need a form of calories that hit a lot of the major food groups you normally eat. And so that's why they sell it on the Big Mac. And I'll hopefully dig up the Planet Money episode and throw the show notes. Otherwise, I'm sorry, guys, but Planet Money is a great podcast and I strongly recommend everyone listen to it. I like how half of my podcast is just me repping other podcasts. Anyway, the, the beauty of it was they watched this horrible situation happen in Venezuela, which was people used to be able to purchase, I think it was 10 Big Macs um, back in the aughts. 10 Big Macs for a day's wages. That seems right. Yeah. Now they can't even purchase an egg based on a day's wages. They literally cannot oh. purchase enough calories after a day of work to sustain a day of work. And that is usually one or two people supporting an entire family. Their entire economic situation has led to that. And so it's very easy to see when you see that context of how the economy is not making a viable platform for people to work and get money. This forces people into very precarious situations where they're exposed to horrible things like malaria. And just you, there are all sorts of little pieces of the economy that you have to pay attention to. Otherwise, things like this can happen. Uh. What's also weird is that the Venezuelan uh, government continues to say that the Bolivar, I believe the Bolivar is their former currency. I think so. Is worth a X number of US dollars. And this has opened up a second black market where people sell, get a ton of Bolivars and only like it's basically a borderline oligarchy and that only particularly powerful people can sell Bolivars for dollars. And so they will actually trade in this hyperinflated Bolivars for dollars from the Venezuelan government, thus adding to the inflation cycle. Oh, no. I know. No. 
All right. But uh. the good news is, as long as you get your vaccines and stuff, you shouldn't get malaria. <laughs> no, that's not true. Oh, no. <laughs> no, do not, sp- do not spread false news about... Fake news? Mal- okay, <laughs> yeah, do not probably... spread fake news about vaccines. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, I'm still going to go get my vaccines. And yes. get my malaria tests see if I have malaria. Hopefully I don't. I haven't been to Venezuela recently. No, or but ever. if, all right, but let's say if you wear bug spray when you're in areas with a ton of mosquitoes and your risk of malaria will be greatly reduced. Yeah, and they actually sell a lot of really interesting clothing articles that have basically insect repellent built into them. I know I bought you a handkerchief of some sort a while ago that had like basically anti-mosquito spray built yes, in. Yes, and I like it very much. Yes, Thank you. keeps those nasty boys away. <laughs> also, don't go to any swamps. Bombay Hook National Park is not for normal people. <laughs> it's just full of mosquitoes. Anyone listening, if you're thinking of going there, it's just a bunch of mosquitoes. You've been warned. Uh, you want to plug anything? Anything else you want to do? I'm going to end this again with yes. So the economy, very important to public health. Just remember that. <laughs> remember, remember that in your life. That <laughs> socioeconomic status, very important to your public health. All right. And I would like to plug um, you. Oh, I'd, I'd say you can find me on Instagram at lil.baby dot banshee that's l-i-l dot baby dot banshee that was my plug ah you did it i did and uh we are sweating the small stuff show on instagram twitter and facebook our handle is small stuff show and our website is small stuff dot show anyone who's interested in finding more episodes or finding out the kind of stuff we're promoting or if you want to get caught up on new episodes or see any of the crazy stuff we're doing on facebook instagram twitter and i have a youtube and i'm still trying to figure out what kind of content i want to put on it i definitely want to do live streams and i just be particularly interested in doing live streams of this episode so that we maybe could have people actually call in or message in with their small stuff that they're sweating especially have to do with crazy stuff like this so we'll, we'll see how that goes anyway hope y'all enjoyed the show if you like it please share it with a friend or leave a review on itunes please do reach out to us on social media or wherever you find us with hashtag small stuff show about the small stuff you're sweating and remember from movies to media to the world around us is details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff